I mean, I know you guys got to talk to our guest today, Bruce Miller. This is Auto Collabs. In Louisiana. A little Louisiana. bit. I've gotten to know this cat a little bit through some other, you know, groups that we're a part of. Just one of the coolest dudes. I'm really excited to see, you know, like this is a guy that wears his faith on his sleeve. You can tell it runs deep in his DNA. Um, he he cares about his family. He cares about his people. And 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 I think I think we're going to see a lot of that today. And I mean, you, you know, he's always wearing that hoodie, all gas, no brakes. But and, and I really hope this. Happens. <laughs> you know what? You know what strikes me about that? Slow yeah, down here, yeah, real yeah, quick, because yeah. he's got this hoodie. I meet him. He's got the hoodie. It says "All gas, no brakes," and he's like, <clears throat> "Yo, yes, <laughs> like, real relaxed, super chill, yeah, yeah. way relaxed." Yeah. Lean back in his little, in his right. stance, you know, and it's like all gas, no brakes, you know? So the juxtaposition of that. Yeah, it's on the inside. Balances that. I mean, know? like yeah, this not- is a dude that used to be executive leadership at franchise stores and now he's like flat brim hats, hoodies. Yeah. He's just like, yo, <laughs> he's a sleeper. Yo. He's, he's like that. Sleeper. He's like that Honda Civic that back in the nineties, <laughs> like the kids would trick out and it pull up. They wouldn't tint the windows or anything. And then off the line, they would just dust anything that came next oh. to it. Do you guys remember that? I remember yeah, that. I absolutely remember yeah. that. That's great. That's great. Well, we hope you enjoy this conversation we have with Bruce. Hey, Bruce, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. We really appreciate it. No, no problem. Glad to be on the show. Uh, appreciate uh, you guys giving me the invite. So uh, we met for the first time at the Digital Dealer uh, Conference just uh, several weeks ago. feels like a long time ago, but it wasn't that long ago. And uh, I was really struck by your your just genuine, personable demeanor and your like ability to say things very like natural language. I understood everything you were trying to say immediately. Where does that come from? Uh, being in sales my whole life, or always, you know, you have to be an effective communicator, you know. So I, I guess it comes from that, you know, being in sales my whole life. I guess it comes from the confidence and that I know who I am and I know what I bring to the table. So I, I could just say what I want or communicate how I want. It doesn't really matter if you like it or not or you know what I'm saying? So I can freely just explain who I am, talk talk who I want, be how be how I want, and uh, communicate how I want. And um, I don't really care how it comes across because I'm just being me. You know, uh, recently the last year year and a half, two years, opened my own business, and now my own I own my own business. I can dress how I want, I can talk how I want, I can treat my employees how I want. So I'm 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 on this like uh, just this this confidence level where. Uh, I'm just going to be me, you know, so uh, that, I guess that's maybe where it comes from. Real, real right, talk, well, you, though, by the end of Paul's question, I was I was like, is he going to make some funny joke about your Louisiana accent? Because that's I'll, just messed up. That was, you know? that, was the bump, that was the bump set, actually. Was, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but I, I've gotten to know you, Bruce, and you say treat my employees how I want and this and that. And I think, you know, for some people listening, they might think, well, oh, you know, here's another boss. <laughs> you, no, that, that's not to be taken in the wrong way. You're not someone that's just rolling in and being like, look, I'm the boss. Mm, you know, yeah. that's not how you want to treat your people. So where, where does that all come from? I mean, you know, like the being authentic to who you are, but you also have this all gas, no breaks. How do you reconcile all gas, no breaks, hustle mentality, or whatever that means to you to also building an environment in your store where people can thrive? 
it, it goes by, uh, it comes from being treated the wrong way for 10 years of my career. Being uh, just, I, I was somewhat misunderstood. I was, you know, I was like a Christian car salesperson who, who, who didn't drink, didn't go to the strip club. Did, you know, so I was mistreated. My first day on a job as a 21-year-old salesperson, my, I asked my manager, to, can I have off on Wednesdays? Because we had church Wednesdays. And he says, no, uh, you're going to have off whenever I tell you. And from this point on, I am your God. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, like I, I, I needed the job. Oh boy. Oh yeah. boy. I needed the job so I couldn't quit. You know, I was like a high school dropout. I was like, I barely got hired. I had to hustle my way to get hired. So, I, you know, uh, so I learned for 10 years how to not be treated, how a GM would, wouldn't pay somebody a $500 bonus. You know, the stores make it $200,000. You don't want to pay a $500 bonus. Uh, dealership group don't don't celebrate salesperson a month. Dealership groups don't take their teams to, to dinner and things like that. So when I became the, a, a manager of managers, when I came became running stores for these these last ten years, I made I made I made a culture of, of of hey, we do this, you're gonna get this. We're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna celebrate. We're gonna go to Pelicans games. We're gonna go to dinner. We're gonna we're gonna have you know uh, events. You know, salesperson comes to me. And says, "Hey man, I'm a thousand dollars short of my mortgage, but the dude's been working for me for two years. I know him. I trust him. I, let, I, I give him a thousand dollars, and it comes out of my own pocket, not not from the company. And um, and then then I run the risk of not getting it back. But you know what? That guy really needed me, and I know him, and we work every day, and I have a relationship with him. So how can I? Do, how can I not? How can my relationship with you only be transactional? Well, how can mm-hmm. I?" How can my relationship with you just be on what you provide for me? No. So, so I've always been that person and I've like alienated myself with upper management by the way I wanted to treat people, by the way I wanted to do things. And so now that I, I am my own boss, I can do what I want. You know, so that go ahead. Th- that is, I, I think here's the thing. If you listen to like 25 inspirational podcasts, you know, uh, a bunch of like thought leadership on how to be a manager. A lot of what you just said would kind of be like tossed out there as quote unquote best practices, right? But to put it into play and then to just really, really clearly say, how can I work with someone every single day and make this relationship transactional and not relational? That's it's like it's a bold statement in itself to like to say that the audacity of someone to do the other is is almost unbelievable to you. I I love that you're like you take them to Pelicans games. I actually know what the Pelicans are because I I uh, used to live in Pensacola, so I was very close uh, to you know I I know what the Pelicans are across the yeah. across the the water there. Um, but like where because I think a lot of people think like. Hey, this is my work team. This is my work environment. How do you balance the engagement of going? I know that my culture and my people have to go beyond um, just work hours or things that we do together to do business. How do you balance the like? I'm I'm still your manager, and you still need to do things and 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 get things done and have business outcomes with the relational aspect of things. Because I think like sometimes people can just fall in the ditch of either side. How do you balance that and not fall in ditches? Um, I'm not the best at it. My I, my managers tell <laughs> me all the time. My managers tell me all the time, "Hey man, Bruce, 
you can't treat the salespeople like this or that. They, they have to answer to us. So, so I'm not the best at it. But um, <laughs> when you make deposits in people's lives, it's easy to make withdrawals. If you're only making withdrawals, you, you're going to create this culture where people hate to be there because all you all you're doing is just asking, asking, pushing, pushing, uh, telling them what they're doing wrong, making you know these withdrawals, and there's nothing in the in the account. But when you make deposits and you do things right, and you you treated them a little bit, you gave them a little bonus, you paid them a little bit early, you paid them, you know, you you did something that was like beneficial to them, and they know that you know what, man, he didn't have to do that. There's equity in that account. And so when I when I when I'm demanding, hey man, it's the last three days of the month. I need a good. I need we need 10, 12 deals these last three days. I need everybody to buckle up. When I ask, I normally get because I make deposits because there's equity in in, in the relationships of, of my employees. I have a lot of equity, and I have a see other seen other situations where people are asking just like I'm asking. They get nothing because they didn't make no deposits. So, so that's that's the main way that I I can um, I'm giving freely from my heart. I'm helping in, in those areas, but at times when I need I need them, I can easily push them and get 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 it from them because I made those deposits. Tell us a story like you've you got this mindset where you're constantly investing into people's lives, and you told us already several like little anecdotal stories about, you know, instances when that has happened. One of the things that we are at a Sodu fascinated about are all these inspiring stories in the auto industry that we hear all the time. And, uh, you know, if people whose lives were literally changed by their involvement or they're being welcomed into the industry, can you think of one story from your, you know, your last 10 years of, uh, that you'd want to share with us of somebody's life literally being changed because of their involvement in the industry? Uh, mine, you know, but let's, just, <laughs> let's get me, you know, but uh, all right, let's do that. Let's do that. It's a story, you know, best. Yeah, man. I came into the industry as a high school dropout, newly married ba- baby on the way, like thir- 30 days later, a baby was born. That's in it, man. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Back, wow. back again, 21 years old. And I'm like married and I had a baby and I needed a career, uh, a real, real job, you know, and, uh, Man, I jumped into the automobile business and it was like love at first sight. You know, um, I, it was a, the first month, I, like maybe within three months, I made like $5,000 in a month. And in 2000, you know, 20 something years ago, 5000 a month was like a lot of money. And I, I was used to making $2,000 a month. So I made two and a half times a normal income in this industry. And it changed my life. You know, uh, I would always teach my salespeople that uh, a good month, like it's okay. But if you have like, a few good months in a row, it will change your life. You'll start you'll start looking at different restaurants to eat at. You'll start looking at different cars to buy, and the car business you know changed my life. You know, it it made it took me from a negative to a positive immediately. You know, I was the black sheep. I was at my me and my wife's wedding. There was not a single person at that wedding that thought we was gonna make it. You know, dar, you know, dar, this was wow. last more 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 than it, it did, um, and um. You know, I'm, I'm at the wedding and, and I can think now like we would have Christmases at my house and every single person at that wedding was at my house driving cars. <laughs> and I sold them, you know, 15 years later, you know, wow. <laughs> yeah. the car business absolutely flipped the script for me. It, you know, it uh, it made all my hard work, all my passion, all my determination. It turned it into like profitability for me and my family. My my three kids went to the best school in New Orleans. That's 18 or 20,000 dollars a month tuition. My uh, oldest son uh, graduated a four-year degree from Tulane University. 
I paid for that cash, you know, like, uh, you know, he got half off because he was a real smart kid, but I had I paid for that. <laughs> Still take <laughs> that. I can take it all, all day. You know, a lot of my friends have Rolexes and this and that. And I said, well, I got three kids with private education and, and, and two lane degrees, and that's where my Rolexes are. But but the ah. car business absolutely it, it it set me on a path that that I was not supposed to be on. I was I was not a college graduate. I was not a high school. You know, I was like I, I didn't have good parents. I had nobody coming to save the day. It was only me. And the car business changed my life. I don't know where I would be without the car business. You, you said something I want to key in on really early on. And I love this, right? Because obviously at Asodu, we're, we're launching, you know, our, our TV show more than cars, which really underscores the stories of how people got into the business and really how it changed their lives. And so you said I needed a real job. Yeah. Correct. And I think that's so fascinating, right? Because there's there's tends to be two narratives out there. There's the like, you know, the the consumer online, right? The the vocal minority who have to complain about the business. And then there's the very real gen pop who we hear this over and over again, who turn to the retail auto industry for the real job. Like that is mm. a de- definition in their mind. Like this is a real job. So is is that how you were seeing it at that moment where you were like, what 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 would an unreal job be to you in that moment? I didn't want to work offshore. I didn't want to be construction, a framer, painter, you know, working the trade. I I was doing some of that, a busboy. These are all jobs that I had. You know, I was always, you know, I was hustle. I always had two jobs. I was always trying to, you know, trying to get it to the best of my ability. But this was like a real job. Like this first time I ever been to a new car dealership when I when I applied for the job and walking in and wearing a shirt and tie and, you know, like not having to sweat all day and not having to go, you know, to take an offshore type job where you're going three weeks. Out of the, this was a, what I consider a real job. And it gave me like a real opportunity to make, you know, the real, real money. You know, uh, all those other jobs, like you're, tra- you're, you're exchanging your time for money. You know, the longer right. you work, the long, more hours you get, you get overtime, things like that. Mm. But the car business, you know, you do work long hours, but. The the, the 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 hours for money exchange is greater, and um it just was it was just was something I could be proud of you know I, hey I'm, I'm I'm wearing a shirt and tie and I'm going to work and I'm in I, I sell new cars for a living it, it was a, it was a it was a real job but in my world it was a real job you know I like it how how now that you can dress how you want you don't wear a shirt and tie anymore <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> it was good in the beginning but now I, I, I'm free you know so well I think, I think well what happened I think over time is your your definition of a real job like at the moment right like that's we all have these visions and pictures of what we think making it looks like especially mm-hmm. when we're younger and to you that was like hey a job where I don't have to you know trade hours for dollars and I don't have to, you know, use my back and my hands to, to make a living. And it was like, you just had this vision of like, Hey, this is a path for me that can get me there. And like, as obviously the industry's changed over the last 20 years and now probably more people don't wear ties than do wear ties in the auto industry. Um, it's probably pretty, pretty fair to say at this point, but the still, what it represents is like the opportunity to make your own path the opportunity to if you apply yourself and you pay attention and you invest in the people around you and you invest in learning the business there really is nothing stopping you from moving up Correct. Like, and that, and that's that's a real job yep yeah well, look uh my older son's working for me but my middle son just graduated high school uh and um he's coming right to sell cars you know uh, school wasn't wow. for him 
you know, he, he, he kind of, you know, ADHD, dyslexic. I guess he's got a little bit of me in him. <laughs> um, so testing and the, the structure of school just really wasn't for him. So I'm not going to like just for the sake of what the world wants me to think about a college degree. I'm going to force him to go to college when it was he didn't do good in high school, you know, but he's charismatic. He's a great person. People love him. He's he, he's you, you, you can't can't keep him down. He's he's an overcomer. He's going to excel in the car business, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's going to come sell cars for me. And I'm I'm, I'm going to proudly share that. I'm going to proudly say, hey, I started with nothing. Now I own a business. That I have two of my sons working in. I might, I might smile the rest of the year, you know, because because that's a very <laughs> proud accomplishment to me. But that's what I think about the car business. That I'm, I'm that's not, your ROI on the Rolex. Fund. There you go, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I got tell your you university. What. You come make it back for me. Yeah, my, my son Bruce. He told me yesterday on his VR call. He says, "Hey, Dad, uh, our cost of market is down five percent the last thirty days. When everybody else's cost of market is up five percent, he said, why do you think that's the case?'" I said, well, I, I, "I don't know." He says, "Because of me." You know, me giving you the data. <laughs> Come on now. He said, I'm watching the data, Dad. Look at us. We're going to be profitable. Yeah. Oh, man. That is, that's an unbelievable feeling. I, I say this all that, like, I want my kids to desire coming out of high school or college to find the industry, the auto industry. And if, and even if it's not them, like their friends and that there's such an energy around not just what I'm doing in the industry, but like the broader industry. Yeah, yeah, that it's attractive and it's mm -hmm. cool to see like your son's going, yeah, this is attractive. And the the last statement there where like I'm looking in VR, your son's not just like a car person. He's he's almost like a kind of a data scientist, right? Yeah. He's he's getting off of a uh, of a call going, look at the data, dad. Look at how I'm moving these numbers to make sure that profitability exists within our business. Like reframing that for people and going, no, no. You've got to think really, really well. You've got to have like a good yeah. head on your shoulders to be able to be profitable in an inventory management system like Viato yeah. and managing like customer expectations and lead traffic and all that type of stuff. It's yeah, yeah. that's huge. Yeah, and, and it's and it's like it's great that it's my son. You know, it, it, for years I've had other great you know people working for me. Young, I, I always say that between sixteen and twenty-five, the dumbest species out there is a male. You know, a, a, a human. <laughs> we're dumb. We make stupid decisions. We think we're bulletproof. And um, so, so for years, I would take pride in like taking those young kids and teaching them about life. You know, and and so now it's even more rewarding that uh, that I'm gonna have my two sons. You know, I have a two 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 a 22 year old and a 23 year old salespeople on my uh, on my staff right now that were friends with my son. I coached them all on travel baseball and they've been doing really well, making four or five thousand dollars a month, doing, doing really well. So um, I took pride in like, you know, teaching them and helping them. Uh, so but now cool. now it's my sons, you know, so uh, I have a 19 year old salesperson. That's a that's a friend of mine's son. He, he sent them over here. I have a 19 year old tech, a 19 year old detailer, a 18 year old tech. So I'll take pride in taking these young men, you know, and um, they, they got they have a they have a saying that an army of a you you'd be more afraid of an army of a sheep led by a lion than an army of lions led by a sheep. Yeah. I said, well, I, I want to be the army of lions led by a lion, you know. So I want to take these young men, teach them how to excel in life, and see how far we could take this, you know.
That's a bold proposition. So what's next for you? Like you, you now have your own store. Uh, you're, you're leading these young men. What do the, what does the next 12, 24 months look like for you? Like what's your vision of what that starts to create? Um, I'm open up another, you know, the economy of scale. I'm open up another use collab within the next 90 days, you know, because a lot of the expenses that I currently have are not going to duplicate, you know, I'll, be, mm. I'll make good money from another location because I'm paying for human resource technicians, you know, different things here that I'm not going to have to pay for there because we're just going to use it, use it here. So I'll open up another used car line. The vision is to open up to own 10 dealerships, you know, whether it's 10, 10, uh, 10 used car lots or uh, mix in a few new car franchises, but that's the vision. You know, when I first started this journey, I went down the path of trying to own a new, new car franchise, but I, my, I had nothing but my name. I didn't have a company. I didn't have, well, now I have $2 million of floor plan, another million dollars of loans, all in my company's name. And if I find one of those small, your uh, rural uh, new car franchises, I'm gonna buy it. The next time that that, that opportunity comes across, I'm gonna buy that, and then um, put all these used car underneath that new car franchise to get all the banks. And uh, so it's a whole plan. But the, the goal is to own ten dealerships. Whether I do it in the next three months, six months, or five years, that's the. When I was 24, 25 years old, I was like writing some stuff down, and I was like. I had this plan to own 10 used car lots. I don't know where this came from. Uh, I, I wow. forgot about that plan. 15 years go by climbing the corporate ladder, making good money. I forgot that I had a plan to own 10. And when I was terminated from my managing partner position and I was sitting there trying to figure out the next step of steps of my life, I was reminded, hey, didn't you want to own 10 used car lots? Didn't you want to be a business owner? And so now I have two and um, I'll have three before the end of the year. And we're just going to keep going, you know? That's amazing. Well, Bruce, I have full confidence you're going to do that. And hey, maybe someone's listening right now that wants to that, to give you a shot on the new car side, because uh, this audience could certainly use someone with uh, culture and heart and and pride in, in leading people that you do. Uh, but thank you so much for spending some time with us. Uh, Bruce, you are a true gentleman and a scholar, and I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be in the the, the Soto universe. Y'all everywhere. I get email. <laughs> and now I'm a part of the Soto universe, you know? Awesome. You definitely are. Thanks, sir. Oh, what an absolutely fun conversation. I love like the, the heart and the intensity that he had around bringing his sons into the store. Like it was a point of pride and joy, um, that he's able to bring in. Yeah, I thought he was going to go, and not crying. just that, but he's like, and my son's friend is working for me, and the the guy down the street, his friend, his and son, I, this guy who's and eighteen, all, and this like, one who's nineteen. I'm like, this guy, he's not building a dealership; he's building a mentoring program for young men. Yep. it's unbelievable. <laughs> without without a doubt, without a doubt, there's this element of him understanding what the auto industry can do for somebody, and then just being an advocate. Like, there's literally nothing more a Sodu than that story. And, and that story in the making, honestly, uh, on the way out too. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to have 10 dealerships. He's like, it might happen three months from now. It might happen 10 years from now. I was like, yeah, I believe that is the kind of guy that can make it happen in three months. Yeah. He just says it like, it's no big deal. I'm going to open a thing here. I'm going to do a thing there. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it's like no, no factor. I love the master plan of it too. Like he, he, he knows like, okay, I'm going to own 10 stores. I'm using independence to leapfrog into maybe a franchise. If the opportunity presents itself. This, this is a guy that's moving so strategically that he almost frees himself from the day-to-day -day, um, 
like ups and downs, ebbs and flows of running a business where he's like, yeah, mm. that was today. That doesn't mean it's going to be tomorrow. And I'm still working towards my goal. Like I, I really get that sense and really appreciate it about him. So good. Well, Hey, I mean that, that, that interview and that time was, like I said, there's nothing more so to than that legacy. So thanks for joining us today on this episode of auto collabs. And we have Kyle Mountseer, Michael Cirillo and myself. We'll see you next time. Sign up for our free and fun to read daily email for a free shot of relevant news in automotive, retail, media, and pop culture. You can get it now at asotu.com. That's A-S-O-T-U.com. If you love this podcast, please leave us a review and share it with a friend. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Welcome, Welcome to, to Auto Collapse. <laughs> Why are we recording? Are we rolling yet? <laughs>